How's it going, Chasers? I hope you're having a kick-ass week. We're back with another podcast with the uh, tragic and untimely passing away of Ben from Bad Mo Barrels. Uh, the community's kind of got a bunch of questions about what's going to be happening in the future. Uh, is the company going to continue? Are we still going to be able to get the barrels? Are they going to be as good as they were in the past? Availability, all of these sorts of things. Uh, so today we're going to bring in Christopher, who's taken over the reins. Uh, it is now Badmo Legacy Barrels. We're going to answer all of those questions. We're also just going to have a chat to Christopher, figure out who he is and uh, what he's doing with the company, what the future is. And uh, we've got a little project to remember Ben by to memorialize what he's done for the craft and for the community. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. All right, Christopher from Badbo Legacy Barrels. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this, dude. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to actually be able to talk to you face to face again. We did have the, uh, the luxury, the pleasure of hanging out briefly. When was that? That was like a year ago now, dude. Yeah, that was uh, last August. So it's been a little over a year now. Yeah, crazy. Um, I think maybe let's kind of go back to how all of this fits together. <laughs> <laughs> so there might be, I, I think, I, I think almost all of the viewers and listeners are going to know what Bad Mo Barrels are. Um, but maybe do you want to just give us a little bit of history on that uh, in case someone doesn't know? What, what is a Bad Mo Barrel and where did it come from, I guess, is the, sure. the question I'm getting to here. So, so this is a brainchild of my very good friend, Ben Quady. Um, he wanted to figure out a way, how do I age spirits at home, but make it taste like it came from a 53-gallon barrel? So he went down the path of putting wood into jars. And I think that's where all of us start. We'll either start with staves or some of us will start with wood chips and we'll just put a whole bunch in there and we discover that it quickly impacts flavor, but we don't get that finished spirit flavor that we're looking for. And he was trying to figure out how do I get the proper surface ratio to liquid volume where I can develop a 53 gallon barrel flavor but do it in a smaller package. And that's where Bad Motivator Barrels came in. So Ben started this project in 2015 and uh, he took a 8.25 quart Bon Marie pot. So this is a stainless steel pot and put a wooden head on it and added a bung, added a spigot and created what we now know as the Bad Motivator Barrel. Um, he he documented all of this and shared it with the community on the home distiller forum. So if you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, he's got the full how to build process up there. And, um, you know, that's, that's really where Ben started with the project. And eventually there are a few people on the forum that said, Hey, this is a really good idea. I don't have the tools or the expertise to make one and ask Ben, Hey, will you make us one? And it, it expanded from there. And I'm sure you remember seeing that on the forum, Jesse. Um, there were so many people in the beginning that were just like, hey, this guy is doing something cool. How do I get involved? And how do I get this at home so that I can start making great spirits too? Yeah, totally. It was a, it's an interesting thing. I've, I've, I think I said this to Alan Bishop 
a little while ago, uh, but quite often in the distilling space, something comes along that's new and it'll, it'll kind of tick off one of the boxes. It'll look cool. It'll maybe make your life slightly easier. Maybe it'll even make something that tastes slightly better. Maybe it's just nerdy and fun or it's uh, fun because it is allowing people to do something historically accurate, you know, any one of those things. And it's kind of hard to get excited when it's just one of those boxes gets ticked. But when you tick two or three of them, something kind of special happens, right? And I, I, I don't know, that, that's how I felt about this. As soon as I saw it, I thought that in theory makes a whole lot of sense. In practice, I wonder, you know, um, and then I can't remember the exact timeline, uh, but somewhere along the line, uh, I got to Ben sent out a barrel and, and I got to try them and pretty quickly started to think, oh, there's definitely something to this. And I, I guess to go into a little bit more detail about why I thought it was really cool, it was fixing three problems that home distillers often have. One, it was solid, actually yard-aged oak, which is amazing. Two, it is uh, allowing mi micro-oxidation through wood, not, you know, just uh, staves sitting in glass. And three, it's fi fixing the surface area of uh, liquid to, to oak. Simple. Uh, but as a home distiller, you, it's pretty damn hard to fill a full-size barrel. That's not going to happen. Yeah, well, so I, you know, I came from the home distiller world too, and I was looking at filling a 53-gallon barrel, and it was going to take me an entire year. You know, the, the idea of spending an entire year on one recipe to fill a barrel was just not realistic. And, no, uh, you know, I was having that exact same struggle, and that's when I ran into Bad Motivator Barrels, and I reached out to Ben and said, hey, I want to make one of these barrels. Can, can I buy your wood? You know, Ben always had the best wood. And, um, <laughs> I, f I found out that he, he was here in Eugene, Oregon, and I, I live in Eugene as well. And so, um, I got a text message from him one day and he said, Hey, you know, I've got your wood ready. You, you want to pick it up? I'm like, I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And you know, I forgot that, that's that, how you managed to meet him. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a couple that's years awesome. ago. And uh, I showed up one day and I, I never left. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that don't know, if somehow you've missed all of this, if you're under a rock in, in the home distilling world, uh, Ben built it up to the point where it was definitely a business and it was just starting. He, he was just starting to solve all of the kind of teething problems of a business like this uh, he had moved into a larger workshop he'd built a lot of the tools and digs and got more machinery uh, he was just starting to think about how to seriously expand because the problem was everyone loved these freaking barrels and he just could not keep them in stock right uh, so this is as i understand it and we haven't actually talked about this to, to fact check my understanding but you were going to end up working with them. Was that, wasn't that the case? Yeah. So I, I you know, the preface that I, I think that is important that we say, you know, for the viewers that haven't heard um, on July 1st this year, Ben passed away. Um, he passed away in a paragliding accident. And um, you know, this was a shock to all of us, but to, to answer your question on 
that following Monday was going to be my first day as a full-time barrel maker with Ben. So this was yeah. a guy that I was, ha- I was stopping by the shop at least two or three times a week and just having fun, rag chewing. And, um, you know, we, we would always ask the questions like, what if, and, you know, Ben had that very analytical mind, which I really appreciate. And he's like, well, let's find out. And so it's like, okay, let's go do it. And it's, and we would sit there and we'd spitball and we brainstorm and we change the process. And on, on, uh, the Monday after July 1st, I was expected to come down to the shop and I was going to start working with Ben. Um, my, my role was going to be a full-time barrel maker with Ben, um, I had stopped by the shop a lot. So I would stop in the shop two or three times a week and I'd bug Ben and we would always, you know, spitball back and that or back and forth ideas. It's like, how do we improve the process? Um, barrel or Ben was always trying to make more barrels and I would stop in and I'd give him a couple hours here, a weekend there, just trying to help him catch up. And, um, you know, I, I put a lot of input into his process. It's like, you know, Ben, why do you do it like this? And Ben would always say, well, you know, I don't know the answer to that. So let's try it a different way and let's find out what it does. And through that process, slowly in time, you know, like one of the big ones um, was he used to use wooden dowels. And I would always ask Ben, why do we use these darn wooden dowels? He's like, well... You know, some some barrels are made like this, and we ha- and some of them are made with dowels, and some of them are made with nails. It's like, yeah, but why don't we just use a joint? And we went back and forth several times, and it finally got to the point where I just hated that that darn dowel machine. It's like this thing is not fun. So I convinced him, and 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 we went down the path, and we had a custom set of knives made for a shaper, so that we can make a custom joint that's like bad motivator specific so that we can have the tightest possible joints in our barrel heads. So that's just one of the many things that we have done over the last couple of years and tr- trying to make sure that we can improve quality and, and uh, get barrels out more quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. He, he was definitely a, a very strange mix of, as you said, very analytical, very happy to uh, test a hypothesis for want of a better way of putting it not not married to his own ideas mm-hmm. but also also comfortable outside of that world and happy to think creatively as well which and i guess it's that sort of the sum of all that which allowed him to get to the the point where he was with the barrels to start with well and i think some of it was i really liked his appreciation for failure so not mm-hmm. only did he relish in, in failure, but also he'd be like, okay, we messed up this barrel. How bad can we mess up? Because we just might accidentally learn something. And so, you know, it's like, well, you know, we've already messed this one up. We can't sell it and we can't use it. So let's test something else on it. You know, what if we want to install steel spikes in it? Because somehow steel spikes are going to make the barrel process better. Well, let's let's do it. Let's install some and let's see what happens. And he'd always push it as far as he could. How bad of a failure can we make it? Because, again, we might learn something. And um, yeah, I, I really appreciated that aspect of working with him. It, it yeah, really analytical totally. mind. Like you said, very analytical mind, but also like, such a people person and always interested in other people's ideas and creativity and sharing. And I mean, such an amazing person to work with. Oh, totally. 
uh, my first introduction to him was when I was first learning what the hell I was doing. Uh, there was a little R2 droid on Home Distiller that kept helping me out. Uh, it'll be interesting, actually. I, I haven't been on there in a while, and I haven't looked back through like my history on Home Distiller. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. I've also got a terrible memory for stuff like that. So I'm pretty yeah. sure when he reached out to me, he like I, I, I didn't make the connection for a little while. And I also, um, at the point where he contacted me, I was starting to get more and more contact from people that were just trying to push their shit, basically. Um, right. So I was very wary of a lot of those things. And then as soon as I realized who he was, and as soon as I had a conversation with him, I was like, oh, this dude's different, man. Um, and he was, you know, I, I, I want to teach people how to make them at home. Like, I'm too fine with that. If they want to buy convenience and just buy mine so they don't have to make it, that's fine. I just want people using it, you know? I, I want people to enjoy it. Uh, so he was very different from that point of view as well. If you go to the Bad Motivator website, Ben still has all of the processes and the videos on how to make those barrels, and we still sell wood. Like, we're still trying to get people to build their own barrels. It made it very easy for me to work with Ben, uh, and I was like, that, that's how I ended up meeting you, right? Was uh, Ben invited me over to hang out and literally give away all his secrets in a video. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it makes it so easy to promote someone like that on the internet there's always this weird stigma of um it's it's kind of like the sleazy car salesman digital edition feeling that you get from a lot of pictures uh, right and with him, uh, you, you just it's unassailable it's like dude i just told you how to do all of it if you still want to buy it from me cool but you know like Go, just go make your own for free and i don't make any money out of it <laughs> no. which is awesome um he just uh, the the vibe i got from him with all of us is that sure he wanted to have a business out of it but mostly he just loved the idea of um ideas cross-pollinating and expanding and infecting more minds <laughs> was kind of the i don't know i just always got that vibe with him uh which, right. which was awesome uh, but I, I guess we should probably say that with uh, for any of us that are using these barrels, we should probably be very, very thankful that that you and Ben had created that relationship and agreed on you starting before he died. Because I imagine it would have been a much harder decision and an almost impossible process to continue the business, like like even a month earlier, right? That's a hundred percent right. Um, you know, I think back on when I started taking things over and there was not a single person in a, in the same situation. I, I don't think anybody besides me could have taken it over like this. Mm. Um, well, and, and to think, you know, if this would have been on June 1st, I was still, you know, I, I used to work for the state mental hospital and I was at work and it wouldn't have been possible for me to jump into the role that I jumped into. Uh, it's really rare that somebody has like time and money to do something like this at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And when it needs to happen quickly. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a case to be made like uh, Ben figured it out and he had a lot of it doc well, not documented, but all laid out. I don't know what documentation was like, but I'm sure there's a bunch of people that could have walked into it and bumbled their way through until they'd figured it out. 
Mm-hmm. But as you say, uh, that's a very large, large expenditure of time and just straight up cold hard cash for not being able to do something else. So, yeah, although it was an absolute tragedy that we lost Ben, uh, it was the silver lining that essentially the, the barrels are going to keep getting made. Uh, and I, I've got multiple barrels that, that you've made since Ben's passed away. And I can 100% assure everyone they're still the same barrels and they're just as good. <laughs> so no one should be worrying about that. Uh, we're very lucky that we've still got them. Um, what's your... Are you now the owner of Bad Motivator Legacy Barrels? Are you... like what, What's the yes. structure? Well, How's it all working? So the company that Ben started, um, that currently belongs to his family. And I created a a company, Bad Motivated or Bad Mo Legacy Barrels, and I've transferred transferred all the assets over to my company so that there can be a clean end to to Bad Mo Barrels, and then there can be you know the start of the legacy company. Okay. So that that, makes sense. that's how that's how his wife and I kind of settled everything. So. Yeah. Totally. Um. It was actually you that called me and and uh, told me that Ben had passed away, which was a very strange phone call to have. Uh, you, well, you, at I, seven o'clock in the morning, too, which I apologize. I didn't. I didn't no. do the math, but it's like I I need to let this guy know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd had a late night of either editing or hanging out with friends the night before, um, and my do not disturb on my phone turns off at seven o'clock. So you actually woke me up and I, I was sort of remember coming out of a haze, looking at my phone thinking, Oh, that's an international number. I should probably answer that. Almost didn't picked it up. Um, and then in the back of my mind, I had another friend totally unrelated to any of this called Ben flying home from America that day. So when, when I got you on the phone, um, it took me quite some time to figure out that it was one friend, not the other, that, <laughs> that had died, which was a very strange thing to happen. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate you calling me, man. That was because um, I felt like I was good friends with Ben in the best sense of the internet version of it, but didn't really have any connection to any other friends or family of his. So right. yeah. I, I I appreciate you calling me, man, and not just like finding out through the uh, the rumor mill or whatever it happens to be. Right. Well, it's like you know, sending you a message on Facebook or something like that. Just it it wasn't personal enough. So um, I'm I'm glad that we were able to connect and I was able to pass on that bad news. Yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, the the like obviously it's. The only thing that really matters is it sucks to, lo- to lose a friend, but there was uh, ongoing business <laughs> between Ben and I as well. Um, so it was nice to be able to like really quickly just have some understanding that maybe something was going to happen at that point in time. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, so if people don't know, uh, we sell the bad motivator barrels uh, out of our New Zealand store. It would be ridiculous for us to sell them in America because you can buy them direct from from bad motive or now bad mo legacy. Uh, but down here in New Zealand, the shipping is an absolute bitch to get <laughs> one barrel down here. Uh, so we bring them in in bulk and then, you know, you can buy them in New Zealand and Australia. And also uh, Ben was, and now Christopher is, 
making the staves for the maturation sticks that we sell as well. Uh, so there was all of that sort of spinning around in everyone's heads as it was happening. Um, all said and done, this is, it's turned out pretty well, man. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate being able to carry on the relationship with you. Yeah, well, and, and I do appreciate that relationship as well. It, it goes both ways. So you've been a key partner with us all along. So um, I want to make sure that, you know, I shout out and say thank you for that. Dude, of course. Uh, it makes it makes me happy to see something like this work out and, and hopefully continue to work out for a long time. <laughs> um, so with that kind of in mind, part of the reason... That I wanted to bring you on was just to kind of clear that up for people in case they were wondering what's happening with the company and you know making sure that it was in uh, the right hands so to speak the other thing we wanted to talk about was we had this idea of kind of doing we still haven't got it really a name for the project maybe uh, I don't know something we need to spitball a little bit more but just the idea of, of having something that'll how do I put it? There's a lot of people out there all over the world uh, that were touched by, educated by, encouraged by, inspired by everything that Ben did in the distilling space. Um, and it's a weird, it's a weird feeling when you lose someone like that uh, from your life because you know deep down that you don't have any specific. It's almost like you don't really have a right to be mourning or to be feeling like you lost someone when you never actually knew the person. It's kind of like when the celebrity dies and people are crying on TV, you're like, dude, really? Um, but the flip side of that, the other side is that, you know, he really did make a, an interesting, meaningful difference in a lot of people's lives that he never, ever met. Um, so the idea was to, to, to do something that the community as a whole could take part in if they wanted to, uh, to sort of, carry on the legacy of what Ben was doing in terms of, um, hey, here these, here's these barrels. Now go do something interesting with them. Um, here's a, something that I started. Here's an idea that I started. Please go and make it your own and do better than what I did was always the, the vibe I got from Ben. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was one, <laughs> I guess it's an ingredient that Ben was really into <laughs> that a lot of people didn't quite get and sort of turned their noses up a little at. Uh, do you want to run us through what Ben was doing? And then we can have a talk about the project and how we're going to run this. So Ben's favorite ingredient is panella. So this is a, or for those that don't know, this is a type of sugar. Um, this is an unrefined sugar coming out of South America. Um, the source that Ben has is, is actually Colombian. So it's a Colombian um, panella sugar that he would use for his rums. Um, he, he and I had quite... The conversations about the panella. Um, I have my opinions, and he had his. <laughs> but um, the the general gist is uh, that panella makes a superior rum versus uh, molasses. So molasses is an agricultural product. It's it's the leftovers after all of the sugars are extracted, and it's the sugars that are really difficult to get out of the cane sugar sap. So this is oftentimes used it for like feedstock to feed to pigs and, and, and cows. Um, but also it's used in, you know, things like baking and it has a really strong, almost sour flavor to it. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all tasted the molasses. So the 
rum is traditionally made with molasses because it's cheap. Um, it's pretty rare to find a panela rum because panela is incredibly expensive. It's also really high quality sugar. So uh, that's what Ben would make his rum out of. And the reasons that he chose panela was because uh, it's relatively easy to work with. So anybody that's done a sugar wash or sugar and molasses wash, uh, you've seen the pH issues and the pH crash and the struggle that we have with sugar washes. Um, The panela, though it still can exhibit those same properties, in general, it's a little easier to ferment. Um, He would always add a little limestone to it as a pH buffer, but I think he did that more out of tradition than actual necessity. <laughs> um, but uh, the panela, when you make it as a rum, it has a nice caramel flavor to it. Um, it it's almost a little citrusy in, to my palate, but it creates a really good rum. Um, I thought that jaggery was a better option, uh, mainly because this comes out of Asia as opposed to out of Central America. And it has, uh, like the final product, it's a little darker, so it has a little more molasses content in it, but it has almost like a chocolatey, like cocoa nib note in it that I really appreciate. And uh, Ben and I would talk about the benefits of one versus the other. Obviously, Ben always wanted the panela and, uh, you know, we, (laughs) we, we are, he and I did a, a one final run together a couple months ago. And I still have bits of that at the house. So, you know, we're, we're well, going to cherish special. that. Yeah, cherish those Panela rums. Actually, I've got a, um, I was going to share with you. I know you're, the viewers aren't going to see it on um, on uh, podcast, but I've got hit the, one of the final barrels that I made with him. And this is awesome. a uh, cassava. So the, Alan Bishop, because, you know, of course, Alan Bishop's involved in everything. So uh, this is one of his Catawba barrels. So this started life as a brandy, and then it turned into a Mataglatus, which is a rye. And then Ben got a hold of the barrels, and then we created little barrels. And then this is where the home of Ben's final rum. And um, That's awesome. you, can, you might may be able to see, I engraved a little R2-D2, or R5-D4 actually, an R5-D4 logo in it, in Ben's memory. That's awesome. <laughs> so what we are thinking is to, to try and, it all sounds so cheesy, but to kind of honor Ben a little bit, to remember him uh, and to carry on the, the spirit of what he loved to do in this space was to, to kind of lay out the base recipe that he used for Panella and then encourage people to either make that if they wanted to or to fuck with it, like make something different, make something uh, throw some weird thing in there. Um, uh, use a use a strange yeast. Use lacto or bread or botanicals or, or fruit. Throw, or, yeah, throw some smoked jalapenos in it. Like I mean, you guys yeah, figure out what what's going to be the best option for you and what's going to be interesting to your palate. And it's you know we we all say you know make something amazing and, and pour one out for Ben. We did talk a little bit beforehand about there's a there's a graphic that was being thrown around in the forums. Uh, there's the uh, R5 that you were using. Uh, I think the plan is to, well, the plan is <laughs> to get uh, a little graphic uh, made up 
and basically open source it. Anyone that wants to use it that can, uh, we will make it as simple as possible in terms of artistic complexity with the idea that if you want to, you can print it out on your home printer and cut it out with an X-Acto knife and use it as a stencil for spray paint to spray paint a can. Uh, you can print it out as a sticker to slap it on bottles. You can use it on a vinyl maker, like just however you want to use it, you can. We'll get it out there. We'll figure out a proper name for the project. Um, but I guess we should probably run through uh, what Ben's full process was with the Pinella to give people a baseline uh, slash inspiration, I guess is the right word, uh, to see where to take this. So obviously you know more about what he was doing than I do in this space. So that was part of the reason we wanted to get you on and uh, hear what you had to say about it. Yeah, well, and I'm not going to share anything earth shattering. Like the the recipe is really simple. So As it should um, be. right. So we our band would get in 55 pound sacks of panilla, and the simple process was we take a 55 pound sack, we throw it in 20 gallons of water. So you'd have a final gravity around 1100, one one zero zero, and we would add uh, Fleshman's bread yeast and some limestone. And now you have Ben's rum. <laughs> so uh, we, we, would, we would throw in some yeast nutrients. So, you know, follow the instructions for your yeast nutrient packet. But um, that's, that's it. Uh, we would warm the water up a little bit just so that the panela would, would dissolve into it. Um, the panella that Ben was using was granulated, so we didn't have to break up the block. But if you're getting full panella nice. blocks, because usually, usually they come, are, the panella process is that they'll heat the sugar until most of the water's driven out, and then they pour the liquid slurry into molds, and then it hardens up, and, and you get this block of sugar. Um, so you have to kind of break up that block of sugar if you're buying it as a block, and then um, dissolve it in some warm water. Was this uh, double pot still action, uh, plates, retort? What was the plan so, there? I'm sure you, you're not going to be surprised, but Ben made his own still. <laughs> so um, <laughs> his still was a 15-gallon um, uh, keg still. So he had a 15-gallon keg still that he modified. This is um, He didn't have the tools to weld, so this was a brazed still. And... Um, he had a four inch, um, tri clamp on the top, and then he went through three plates and, uh, when he was making rum, he would just use them as sight glasses. And so he had three sight glasses and then he would go through his head and then he would go through his condenser. So he would essentially run it twice in pot still mode. Okay. So just a run and then a spirit run. Exactly. Pot still. Pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. Groovy. Uh, and obviously, he was very fond of aging stuff. Did he have a, a specific toast slash char that he was putting this on? I have a feeling that the answer is yes, everything. Okay. <laughs> well, this is something that he and I would often converse about, actually. Um, he and I recently created, we call it the MoCat. So this is a matrix of char and toast. So we have every single barrel that... that bad motivator makes so every char and toast level so it's a 20 by 20 matrix and we put liquor in every single one of them 
And we were trying to figure out what is the right answer. So um, Ben really liked the light because the light toast kind of brings out like a, almost a coconut flavor in the rum. So Ben really enjoyed a, a lighter toast. So he would do like an L2. So L2, that would be a light toast with a number two char. Uh, and generally when it comes to toast, a, a light toast is going to be more like almost like a coconut, more raw wood flavors. You get into a medium and you start to get more of those caramel flavors. And then when you get into a heavy, you get a lot more of those caramel flavors and the vanillin uh, flavor kind of changes a little bit. And I feel like it's a little more natural vanilla with the heavier toast. And then when it comes to char, um, generally a light char is going to impact the color, but also it'll clean up the distillate where a heavy char is going to produce significantly more color, but also it's going to clean up a really dirty distillate. So we would kind of choose the char level based on how much heads and tails we purposely threw into the, into the final product. So yeah, one of the advantage, yeah, one of the advantages of going with a barrel and doing a proper barrel finish is that you can have a pretty dirty distillate and still get an amazing spirit in the end. If there's enough char. I think, I think if you had to put a gun to my head before you said that and said, which barrel would you pick for a Pinella rum? I probably would have gone with like an L3 is maybe where I'm, I'm thinking. Um, a little bit less of that intense toast characteristic. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of like the idea of doing all of the things as well. <laughs> and then potentially blending afterwards is always well, fun. and and when that's was a thing, it's like you know, let's do three different barrels with three different toast and char levels, and then we can blend them at the end to figure out which one's the best. Yeah, totally. Um, I should say too that we are no, we're in no way, shape, or form trying to exclude people from not using barrels in this. The whole point is that it's literally just an activity that everyone can kind of do and come together on um and just another way that we can carry on ben's legacy so it's not like if you don't have a barrel you can't do this if you can't make enough to put in the barrel you can't do it that's not what we're saying at all we're just talking specifically no. about the barrels because that was that was ben's thing um right yeah um so i know alan uh, Bishop, like you said, is involved in everything. And I know he's already gotten started. I think he's already started fermenting something for this. Uh, yeah, well, he he may or may not have had somebody with blue pants that dropped off a bag of Pinella. So he, he got a bit of a kickstart into this project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, for the last three days, have been frantically searching for Pinella in New Zealand. Uh, and it turns out pretty much can't get it here it's a total specialty ingredient i could get i think i could buy two of the small little blocks uh, if people haven't seen them before they're very similar to like uh, palm sugar from thailand um just like a little round block of brown grungy looking sugar uh, and i think that was going to cost me about 18 dollars for two little blocks so i turned my nose up at that uh and did a double check of how panella is made and realized that jaggery is very similar and it turns out we can get jaggery here for a lot cheaper so i've got uh, 20 kilos of jaggery on the way so right from the drop i'm going to be changing it up 
Uh, screw you, Ben. I'm on Christopher's side on this one now. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be able to compare. Sorry, guys. Uh, but but the idea is for I, I'll make a video making something. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with the jaggery yet. Uh, and we'll release this podcast and the video at the same time to to kind of promote each other. Have you thought of any strange things that you would like to do to alter the recipe? Yes. So I've already started. So Ooh, I've nice. got a I've got I've got a panella and and a plum rum that I'm making. So I I grow plums on on the property. So it's that time of year in North America where we're starting to do our fall harvests. And awesome. so I har- I harvested all the plums off our plum tree and combined that with some panella to to make my tribute rum. Very cool. Uh, and what barrel are you planning on using for that, man? So I'm going to do an ex bourbon. So for me, that's a traditional rum barrel is an ex bourbon barrel because um, you know, especially um, in like the Caribbean here in the United States. Uh, they get a lot of ex bourbon barrels coming down because bourbon barrels can only get used once. And that's just part of the legal definition of bourbon in America is that it has to be new American oak. So there's this glut of used American oak barrels and they're really inexpensive. And so that's why a lot of rum is aged in ex bourbon barrels. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be using an ex bourbon barrel for this project. I feel like I almost don't have a decision in this like i said if i was if i was picking i l2 sounds l2 maybe l3 sounds pretty enticing uh and then maybe do like a h4 as well just to contrast Uh, but i still have one of the barrels that i made with ben uh when i made that the trip over to oregon uh sitting here and i almost feel like I mean, how could I not put this into that barrel? The, the one that I, like, I actually got to make with him. Uh, that barrel, however, is kind of like the matrix you were talking about. So it's one low, one medium, and one high uh, toasted stave. And then, so there's low, medium, high going vertically on the barrel, I guess you would say. And then when we charred it, we charred from level one to level four horizontally across the barrel, across the barrel head, I should say. So it's kind of like tic-tac-toe and there's kind of almost, but not quite every possibility of what Ben made in terms of toast and char in one barrel. I've got no idea what the hell that's going to do when I put spirit into it. <laughs> I, my guess is that it'll kind of just average out and act more like a barrel but i i I don't know what (laughs) so i think i'm just gonna i think i'm just gonna swing for the rafters and just stick it in there and have it more about the uh the thought of it than the um knowing what's going to happen and and to be honest the fact that it's just going to turn into something and i've got no idea what yeah that's kind of cool too i'm down with that well i feel like that's home distilling in general i mean we all come into these recipes where it's like i i think i know what this is going to do and we're constantly given with surprises so the surprise it did exactly what we thought it was going to which is rare or more likely (laughs) surprise we're going to develop a different flavor that we never knew was possible and then we're going to sit there for the next three years and try to figure out how to replicate it yeah 
Yep, that, that, that's <laughs> I know that feeling for sure. That's home to home to ceiling in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, dude. Man, I wish I took more notes. Yeah, uh, even when you literally record everything you do and put it on the internet, you realize that you didn't take enough notes and wish you knew more about what you did. Uh, I naturally lean towards wanting to throw an infected dunder into it, like pretty much do just the basic rum. Excuse me, but then maybe even pitch some infected dunder into the mash and let it sit for another couple of days and then distill it. That's like where I lean straight away. That feels a little bit boring though. I don't know, man. I, I'm really torn. Like I really can't decide what I want to do for this first one. I had also thought of just literally making just the the, the rum the same as Ben does it without changing anything. Um and then following up later on. But now that I can't even get the Pinala, I'm using Jaggery. Maybe that goes out the window. I'm not sure, man. I'm really tired. Well, and I, can, I can say, you know, Ben played around with Infected Dunder, and at the end, his preference was just a clean distillation. So he, was, yeah. he wasn't he was adding Dunder to, to his washes anymore. You know, he had the yeah, Dunder pit, yeah. and he went down that microbial you know, landslide where you tr try to find the right microbes and try to get them inside the cocktail and, and get a stable environment, which I don't, I don't know how many of you people at home have played with this, but it's really difficult to get a stable environment in a dunder pit. And, mm -hmm. uh, at the end, he, his determination was, well, it wasn't really worth the effort and he preferred a clean rum over it. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. I, yeah, the seasonal fruit thing kind of stands out too. Like something that just grows here and is plentiful is, yeah. a, is an interesting way to go. So I don't know, man. Um, I'm pretty torn. Uh, if, if there's any other creators or anyone like that out there listening to this, uh, if you hear it, like this is not one of those things where, uh, how do I put it? People will often contact me and be like, oh, are you cool with me making a video about this because because i don't want to kind of like cut your lunch and copy you dude like just always just make the video like i don't care especially in this situation please do it <laughs> take make, like take it make your own spin on it make it something special to you and and we'd love to see you you know other people get involved with this as well i'm going to be very interested to see if this is a thing that is a thing or if it's going to be like there'll be four or five of us doing it I, I i don't know man like what's your feeling on that i mean i i already know of a minimum of five people that are on board with this project so okay, cool. there's there's quite a few of us involved and uh, as you said that it's been opened up to the community so if anybody wants to be involved and they want to create their own tribute rum absolutely jump in and you know hop down in the comments like tell us about it like we want to know about these rums that Hell everybody's yeah. making you know get on home distiller get on youtube get on spot or spotify wherever you guys are consuming this media and and let us know about it um also you know consider sending me an email hop on the bad motivator website and tell me about these cool projects and how this rum has turned out for you and, and what unique spin you put on it to make it your rum totally and that's why it fits so well, right? Is that's what everything that Ben was doing was, here's something interesting that I've done. Maybe you'll find it interesting. And I really hope that you make it your own and do something different with it, you know? Yeah. 
That was uh, literally his philosophy with all of this, which is absolutely awesome. All right, man. I, I'm stoked to get started. I can't wait for my sugar to turn up uh, and for me to decide what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> That's not going to happen right now. Uh, but I did want to just check in with you. Like, What's the plan for uh, Bad Mo Legacy uh, going forward? So I can sum it in a nutshell. Um, we're going to make more barrels. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm in, I'm in the shop right now, and we're cranking out barrels. Um, we're we're producing between eighty and ninety barrels a week right now. So we Hell are yes. keep, we are keeping up with demand, and we're actually to a point now where we're starting to reach out to commercial producers and um, ask them if they want to include us in any of their projects. Uh, we have s- several commercial distilleries that are using our barrels for testing. So sometimes a, somebody wants to do a test run and they don't want to fill a full 55-gallon barrel or full 53 in this case, a 53, but they may want to um, do a smaller, you know, gallon and a half, two-gallon run. Well, we've got barrels for that. Another one, too, is um, I've been talking with several um, distilleries that have VIP programs and trying to get those two and a half gallon barrels out of their VIP program and replace it with Badmo barrels because those two and a half gallon barrels, I'm, I'm sure you guys have all had that experience with the small barrel where the angel share is incredibly high and the flavor impact in this short amount of time is really short. So um, trying to, how do you have a VIP single barrel pick option for somebody at a smaller scale and, uh, trying to create those relationships. So we've, we've got a distillery in Northern California that is on board. And we also have a distillery here in Eugene that's on board and we're looking for more partners to partner with. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Uh, so for absolutely anyone that is looking for these barrels, uh, essentially, if you're in America, get in touch uh, directly with Christopher. I, I guess through the website's the best way. Actually, why don't you just rattle off like all of the ways to get in touch with you? Let us let us know, man. Shameless plug. Have at it. Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to to get us is on badmotivatorbarrels.com, and um, th- there's a contact us page, and you can just send a note and 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 let us know what you're interested in, what you're trying to get involved in. Um, if you're looking to purchase a barrel, we have them on the shop again badmotivatorbarrels.com and i've got all chars all toasts x wine x bourbon we're starting to play with oregon oak um i've even you know there's a few amburana barrels that have been floating around that people have been excited about so lots of cool things we've been playing with here in the shop trying to trying to keep ben's legacy moving forward yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, if you're in Australia or New Zealand and you're interested in them, you can go to chasethecraft.com and almost inevitably find that the Badmo barrels are out of stock because uh, we literally can't keep them in stock. <laughs> uh, but I promise you we will get them back again. Um, Christopher and I have been working together a lot more over the last, I guess, over the last month trying to sort of figure out how often we do this. Um the things aren't great logistics wise. So uh, when there's a change in the market with uh, shipping or uh, MPI suddenly decide that they want to charge you 200 to $300 every time you get a package because they need to make sure that we're not shipping drugs in them. Um, you know, that sucks. Uh, but we're trying to figure out a bit of a cadence here to make sure that they're 
at least in stock more regularly as well. So feel free to hit us up at chasethecraft.com for that. Uh, or just go direct to, to the uh, to Bad Motivators website, um, especially if you're looking at, you know, buying five or six of the things, you can do that. Either or, doesn't matter. Uh, please reach out. There will be a barrel available for you if, if you want one. It may just take a little bit of time to sort it out. Uh, and, and thanks again, dude, for still uh, manufacturing the the staves for us, the maturation sticks. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, send a thank you out to the community as well. Uh, you know, after Ben passed, you know, the amount of outpour that I've gotten out of the community and the support that mm -hmm. we've gotten and everybody standing behind us and saying, yeah, let's keep going. Let's march this forward. And all that support has been amazing. Um, you've been great to work with and I'm happy to produce those maturation sticks. And it all comes down to, you know, trying to get Ben's wood out into the community so that people can start enjoying it. it whether that's maturating for maturation sticks, whether that's staves for people that are trying to build barrels, um, you know, we're committed to keeping that wood available and trying to get it out to the community as much as possible. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. We're going to run into a little bit of a sticky situation soon uh, because I went ahead after talking to Ben probably the last time I talked to him before he passed away. After that, I think it was all text. I don't know, dude. But I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's print like 2,000 packages for staves. Uh, and it says four years on the oak. Uh, but of course, there's a bit of an oak shortage in America at the moment. Um, and I know you're finding it hard to get the four year stuff. So, um, but you are getting well, I, three and a half year, isn't it? Well, so the challenge is the packaging says a four year Kentucky Oak. My yeah. current, oh, my current Oak supplier is in Missouri and it's three and a half year Missouri Oak. So, so um, I've, I've been looking. So if anybody has any leads for a four-year-old <laughs> Kentucky Oak, reach out to me. I'm really interested to hear about it. Um, I've got a small <laughs> stash of wood squirreled away, and we're slowly pilfering from it. Um, I do have some promises of there being more wood in the future, but I'm waiting for those to come to fruition. So um, hopefully yeah, we'll get a, get a resupply this fall. So October, November timeframe, um, I'm hoping that I hear from the Cooperage that I've been chatting with and they can let some wood go. I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world, dude. Like it's six months difference. Um, it's still American white oak. Uh, it may just be a job for slapping a sticker on the box. It'd be like, sorry. <laughs> See, this Whoopsies. or nothing right now, team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So that's the yeah. challenge. And Ben always was always looking for the highest quality wood possible. And he set a really high bar. Um, really I'm, sure, dude, yeah. I'm sure the commercial distilleries know like getting four year old American white oak is really difficult. And um, finding people that have it and that are willing to let it go has been troublesome. Totally. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I'd heard about it a lot. Um, all, th all through the the time that I'd been into distilling was the, the wood matters, not just that it is wood, not that it is just American white oak, not that it is just toasted and charred, but that it's specifically selected for this purpose and that it is seasoned 
at minimum for six months like almost doesn't even count like a year's nice so having four-year-old oak is amazing so i'd heard it i hadn't really experienced it uh i tried seasoning some of my own god no i think that was just like off cuts from a freaking furniture shop or something you know uh and the first time i tried the oak that being sent was like I get it now. This just makes so much more sense. The the specific flavors that were coming out of it were great. The rate at which flavors came out of it were amazing. And the lack of weird off flavors is probably the biggest thing. Like especially with those staves, man. Like I can I feel like I can just put those a buttload of staves into those into liquid and let them go for ages before something bad starts happening compared to what I was using uh beforehand. And all of the the more interesting, especially like the texture and the kind of the um, the silkiness that you get out of oak, happens so much quicker. Uh, and I guess it makes sense if these, you know, the, the wood has literally started to break break down already. Uh, but anyway, sorry, what what were you going to say? Well, no, so I was going to say there's kind of a progression as new distillers that we all go through, and it's we start out with okay, we need oak, any kind of oak. And so people start mm-hmm. by throwing in red oak and like all these other different oak species. And they're like, well, oak's oak. We just want to make it oaked, right? And then you then you start to learn, oh, you know, there's different kinds of oak. And the, the oak source matters. It's like, okay, so we're going to get this American white oak. Great. Now we've got American white oak. We bought it from the furniture store or wherever we got it. And, yeah. <laughs> it's, and you know, we're just going to scrub the polish off. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, eventually you go down this path of trying to find older and older oak. And I think there's kind of a magic line around five years. And once you get past five years, the wood starts to deteriorate to the point that I, I don't think it's great. But um, you, you'll, you, you start to figure out your preference and what your preference is. And it's a really cool journey that we all get to share together. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big person or a big member of the the chase the craft facebook group and it's really interesting to see people coming in and where they are in their level of progression as they start to talk about oak and oak products and yeah Yeah, obviously i try you know i I might be a a little biased but i like to kind of direct them (laughs) I i try to direct them in the best the best path I can, but uh, obviously you, you can't force people to, to, to learn those hard truths. And I know me personally, I, I learned through failure. So I have to fail a few times before I figure out the right answer. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm the same. Definitely. Or I, I can learn the right answer, but it's almost, I don't know if it's that I, I don't think it's that I don't believe it. I think it's that some part of me is just kind of like, ah, but that seems like a hassle. That that seems like so much more work. I, I, I'm sure it can't matter that much, you know. Like, I believe it. I, I'm sure they're right. They know what they're talking about. But it can't matter that much. And then you know, you experience things for yourself, and you realize they kind of do. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, I think there's a a case to be said too that the longer you're into this, the more of a how do I say this without sounding like a wanky prick the more discerning you become in what you think is good. Well, I, I think you sound kind of like a chaser. So 
Yeah. Right. Well, well, it's, but it's true it's though. So, yeah. well, I mean, we we have these people. And it's like you know, what do you make? Well, I make you know clear corn liquor, and mm-hmm. it's like I'm going for the most efficiency, or I'm trying to make it as quickly as possible. And and don't get me wrong, if you're if you're a clear spirit corn liquor person and you're trying to make the best quality liquor you can, I'm a hundred percent behind you and I support you. But we have so many people that are worried about quantity over quality that um, they kind of give, you know, this whole moonshiner tag, like give these moonshiners this bad rap. And uh, once you get to the point where you're just trying to make the best quality spirit you can, then all of a sudden it just opens up this whole world for us where we can start chasing this. And, and that's really what chasing the craft is about is chasing that perfect spirit. And it's not so much the perfect spirit for everyone. It's the perfect spirit for me. And what does that look like? What does that taste like? What are the ingredients? What is the process? And how is it distilled? I mean, there's so many different variables that we have to control to make what we perceive to be perfection. So we're all kind of chasing that perfection. So I wouldn't say that you're, you sound like a wanker. You just sound like somebody that's really chasing that, that per- perfection that we're all looking for. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I should preface it too with, I, I, I couldn't have said it better, dude. Like the, the whole, the best thing about this hobby is that you can make it the way you like to make it and what you the enjoyment that you get out of it, no one else can take that away from you. Well, I guess actually, depending on where you live, they can. But <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like if you if you enjoy making neutral spirit, putting essences into it, throwing some wood chips into it for a week, and then drinking it with Coke, like, dude, have at it, man. Like I'm all for it. And if that tastes, if that actually tastes better to you than a quote unquote really nice bourbon, then man, like I'm happy for you. Nice work. There's a hell of a lot more of a rabbit hole to uh, to fall down. But maybe, you know, like if you I get it. If if the your favorite way to drink any bourbon is with Coke, like yeah, it like it doesn't have to be that great, you know? It just tastes like bourbon and coke. Everyone's got their thing that they want to geek out on. And I, I love the fact that this hobby allows if you're a spreadsheet nerd you can be into distilling and just really get your rocks off with spreadsheets. If you're into fabrication, you can do it that way. If you're into uh, flavor combinations, you know, there's just so many ways that you can attack this hobby and get in for enjoyment out of it. Um, and I, I'm happy for everyone. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but I, I guess what I meant is as you drink more spirits, inevitably if you're starting to make something that you really like you're going to start poking around and seeing what else is out there and and buying commercial bottles to use as yardsticks Uh, you're going to start really drinking for flavor and really pulling spirits apart rather than just hey it's fun to have a bourbon on the weekend with my buddies Um, and i think as that the 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 level of uh, evaluation that you put into stuff as that grows then you start to be a lot more discerning and specific with all of the ingredients and all of the everything that goes into it right because then you start to realize that if we put it into numbers dude when i started i couldn't tell the difference between a 50 percent bourbon and an 85 percent bourbon it was all the same freaking thing to me it just tasted like kind of corny bernie that, that was it you know uh 
and then now it's like oh no like, I, can, I feel like i can really tell a difference between these two and i, I you prefer this one better but i think a lot of people would say that you know my preference is a but objectively it's actually probably worse than b you start getting into all these good little nuances and now suddenly uh very small minute tweaks and process and flavor and blending and ingredients and to bring it back to wood definitely wood start to really matter to you right so i think you're right we'll go through the weird furniture shop thing they go through the oh well i've got an oak tree in the backyard i'll just cut off a, a branch and char it up throw it in she'll be right well and it, and it creates interesting flavors uh i i played around with some blackberry branches recently and these are just mm. blackberries grown in the backyard and it chuck cut off a chunk and it's really interesting what flavors are produced with something as simple as a blackberry stem. So yeah, wow. um, there's lots of things for us to play with. What did, uh, what did that give you, interestingly enough? Because we've got uh, some neighbors who refuse to stop their blackberry invading our property. Um, I, that, yeah, you've, I got think... a, you've got a rural property. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I I have my own BlackBerry problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah well, because uh, you know the people that lived there before us didn't really take care of the berries before they left. So uh, we've been in the new house a couple months now, and they, uh, yeah, they, I've got a lot of burning to do this this fall once it cools off. <laughs> but uh, so to answer your question, like BlackBerry flavor, so. You, you start to get some of those esters that you get from the fruit themselves. Um, really? if, you've ever, if you've ever macerated blackberry seeds, you know how you start to get a little bit of that seed bitterness? And mm. having the blackberry stem, I, I started to note some of that seed bitterness that comes from the blackberry seeds, but also it has some of those fruity esters too. It's, it's really a cool project. And this was, that was something was this... that that Randall got me on to, and uh, I said, sure, I've got blackberries. I'll give it a try. It's, it's worth the effort, and um, I'm, I'm impressed. Shout out to the Whiskey Shaman. Uh, is this kind of the old, more stalky, uh, woody growth? Or yes. The younger so this is, this is uh, after you cut it, you let it dry out, and then uh, the, the part with the thorns, and I started with a little six-inch stick, and threw that in about two liters, and within a couple of weeks, it started to develop the flavor. Interesting. I'm totally down for that. What do you think, now that you've tested it, what's the sort of flavor profile that it would complement? Like, what sort of spirit do you see it working in? I, I, I see it going in a lot of different directions, but uh, yeah. the spirit... So, so my spirit of choice and what got me into distilling was apple brandy. So anytime I get a new flavor, anytime I get a new flavor, my first thought is, how would this taste in an apple brandy? So <laughs> that's always where my mind goes. Um, I, you know, I, I started this whole fermentation journey. Uh, I was still in the military and I started making wine at home because I was interested in making fine wines. And I, I did that for a few years and started bringing in more and more grapes. And it's like that my neighbors started to look at me when I was getting dump trucks full of grapes dropped in my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, as time went on, uh, I, was making, I was making wine and then I decided I was gonna try this whole beer thing. 
And one of the things I really like about wine is that you start with the highest quality grapes you can and you try not to fuck it up. Like that's the goal. Right. Like start with the highest right, quality right, product right. and just don't ruin it. And yeah. so yeah. I, I went from uh, trying to trying to find this nuance in wine to beer making where the mentality, well, again, new beer, new brewer. I, I know there's a lot of nuance in beer, so please don't let me talk bad about beer making. But in the beginning, <laughs> if I don't like the flavor, you just throw more in. And that right, right. whole that whole heavy fist hit it with a hammer mentality just didn't really resonate well with me. And uh, I, I lived in Southern California at the time. And then I moved back to Oregon. And so my first thought was, well, what is a local product that's readily available? And I started to make apple brandy. Well, I started to make apple wines and apple ciders. And um, this was kind of before the the U.S. had a big apple cider craze about 10 years ago. This was kind of before oh, the really? big apple cider. Oh yeah, I, I mean they were looking at, they were looking at you know year over year thousand percent growth in the industry. I mean a huge boom. Well, and wow. it, so there was a big wine boom twenty thirty years ago, and a lot of apple orchards got ripped up and replaced with wine grapes. And so ten years ago, all of these failing vineyards got ripped up and replaced with apples. <laughs> <laughs> So it went full circle, but um, the, before that whole boom, that's when I was starting to play with the apple ciders and I had a cider that just went bad. It was kind of off. And so I, I ran into the kitchen and I, I, I stole my wife's little crock pot or uh, her uh, pressure cooker and I got some copper tubing from the home improvement store and I made myself a makeshift still and I made a, I mean, the worst possible brandy, a really, really awful brandy. But there was enough success. So it's like, I think I want to do this again, but maybe next time I'll do it a little bit better. And <laughs> I've, I've been doing that for eight or nine years now. And each year, because you know, there's a big apple harvest in the fall. And so I, I do my big apple harvest and I, we would have pressing parties where we'd have people come over and help press the apples and we would get juice and... Uh, I would turn that into ciders. And then now uh, I don't make cider anymore. It all ends up in the still. <laughs> it's funny how it goes that way, isn't it? It tends to take over. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely taken over. So it's, it's, I had a clean cider the other day and I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, but how would it taste in the still? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. It's funny you say the, the the thing about beer. That's exactly what happened to me with beer, man. I, I started making beer. I was like, oh, cool. There's these things called hops. I want to put all of the hops in everything, every single hop, like more of them. No, like it, it is still the consistency of a liquid, more dry hop, please. Uh, and then I discovered big dark beers, so like rizzers and big porters and went crazy with all of that stuff and then you kind of come full circle back to you know what dude i just can i just have a a little three and a half percent english bitter please preferably hand like hand pulled that that would be real nice right now um yeah it's funny the cycle that you go through with any any hobby like this i think uh, anyway this has been an absolute blast man uh i i can't tell you how happy I am, and I know a bunch of other people are, to, to know that the barrels are going to 
continue coming. Uh, I love the fact that uh, they're such a long-lasting thing too. Uh, I mean, the first Badmo barrel I've ever I got is way too young to even think about pulling uh, and bottling yet which is awesome. And when I do, I'm going to be excited because that means now I've got a second use oak, which in a lot of ways is kind of more ex more exciting to me than the um, the first use oak. So yeah, if you're sitting on the on the wall and thinking about picking up one of these barrels, um, it's one of the few products that I can just wholeheartedly endorse and say, yeah, do it. Like, you know, obviously don't spend money you don't have, be responsible, so on and so forth. But if you're thinking about it, they really are worth um, they really are worth your your time and your your money. Uh, so thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, letting me continue to be involved in in this whole thing, which is uh, it's pretty cool. I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm definitely here to support the community, and that's that's really what Ben did. And living up to his legacy is how do I support the community? How do I continue to to get the wood out there so that you guys can continue to make these great spirits. And um, it's everything that I can do to support you guys. So you, as I've said, I'm very open. F feel free to reach out. Um, you know, if you have questions about general distillation, we've got forums for that. Go ahead and, and access those forums. But if you guys need help with wood and, and barrel aging specifically, I'm here for you guys and i'll continue to support the community as 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 closely as ben did as i can that's awesome man that's awesome all right dude i get the feeling we're gonna have to have you on at a later date and i also get the feeling we're gonna have to cross reference once we have our uh, panella slash jaggery uh concoctions <laughs> underway properly so thanks yeah. for coming on man i appreciate it yeah i appreciate it too thank you so a huge, huge thank you to Christopher for coming on to the podcast and explaining all of that stuff for us, where, where the future of the company's going uh, and reassuring us that these barrels are actually going to be available going into the future. Uh, I, for one, am really, really glad to see someone just like Christopher at the reins of the new Badmo Legacy Barrel company. That makes me, it makes me happy, man. It makes me happy to know that Ben's work on these products is going to carry on there's going to be a legacy uh, and thanks also christopher for running down what ben was doing with panella if you at home want to get in on this project please get stuck in uh, we would love to hear stories of people trying this and we'd love to hear stories of what people are doing to tweak it to put their own spin on it uh, these barrels really are one of those things that are just an absolute no-brainer for me to recommend which is great uh, if you want to get hold of them, like Ben's, like Ben, <laughs> like Christopher said, uh, get in touch with them on their website. If you're in America, Europe, anywhere on that side of the world, makes sense to get them direct from from Christopher. Uh, if you're in Australia or New Zealand specifically, you can go to chasethecraft.com and check them out. And uh, if you are in the industry and you're interested to see how this could fit into uh, to your business model, feel free to reach out uh, to us through Chase the Craft or once again, go straight to Christopher's website. So huge thank you to Christopher. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you in the next one. See ya.